We are entering into week number two of the series, Deuteronomy. Hopefully you got something from last week's message. And then today we've got a very special guest. I have been inviting this guest to preach for over two years now. Two years I have received a no. And then finally I caught this special guest who is actually not a stranger to any of us at a weak moment, and she said yes. And so today we have the First Lady of North Church, my incredible wife. Would you give the appropriate welcome right now to the stage, Shannon Fouts, as she comes and preaches God's Word. Thank you, honey, for that short introduction. I appreciate it very much. You guys can be seated. So wonderful to see you this morning. He said, I'm no stranger, but to you early risers, <laughs> some of you may not have ever seen me before. <laughs> Welcome. I'm so glad to have you. I'm not feeling any pressure at all today. Um, you know, none at all. Pastor usually does not announce when he's not going to be speaking. It's really unusual for him to do that. Usually he only does that like if there's a revival or something like that where you know, it's out there and everybody knows. And so last week, every time he would make that announcement, you know, it really just made my stomach hurt. <laughs> but I love him and I appreciate his enthusiasm. And so for those of you who, who were here last week and you heard that announcement, thank you for showing up anyway. I really appreciate it. That's very kind of you, okay? I also wanna say thank you to the sweet people who prayed for me this week. Talk about the comfort of his love. His love is a real comfort. And we feel that through people who love him and who pray for us. And so I just wanna say thank you and please don't stop, okay? So it has been a while since I spoke here in big church. It's been two years exactly since this weekend. And I've had a few things happen in my life in the last two years coming out of COVID. One is my oldest daughter, Phaedra, got married. You can see her in this picture. And that was really fun. And then we had grandbaby boy number two born, little shepherd. So Gideon has a little brother, and this was just a few weeks ago on our family vacation, but now we have two grandboys. And then I lost my dad in September of 2021. There he is with the boys. He was crazy about them as much as we are. And then we had Eleanor Wonderborn, and she is a wonder, so sweet. And number two, four, baby girl number two conceived, and she's coming in August. So, so many things, so many changes, you know, new highs and lows in every season of life, right? For all of us, new things to learn, new things to celebrate, new things to grieve, but always something new to learn. Uh, after our family vacation in May, I had the privilege of speaking to the current class of North School of Ministry about the book they were reading called How People Grow. And this is one of my all-time favorite books. It's by the Boundaries Doctors. They're so smart. I love it. And he, they said, we want you to talk about how people grow and discipleship. And that's my thing. So I said, sure, yes, I will be there. And North School of Ministry is for people who are really serious about spiritual growth and building God's kingdom. And so it was a great night. And so that's kind of how I landed here today because after that night at School of Ministry, pastor asked me, will you preach that same message on a weekend? 
So I thought, well, you know, I already have the content. I just have to cut a few things out, modify it for a weekend experience. So I said, sure. And then he said, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Now, if you were here last week, you know what I I said when he said Deuteronomy. Um, Pastor Samson and I have to be really careful about what we say in his presence because it will be used against us in a message. Um, So you know how I feel about that. But I was just like, okay, so I'm not preaching the exact same message I shared at North School of Ministry. So today we're gonna look at wholehearted commitment. Wholehearted commitment is required for spiritual growth and abundant life in relationship with God. And I found that trying to live in relationship with God, the Christian life, without learning, without growing, without wholehearted commitment is doomed to frustration. And it's circling round and around the same issues of life, just like the children of Israel in the wilderness. So let's talk about Deuteronomy. As Pastor mentioned last week, Deuteronomy is Moses' final speech to the Israelites, the children of the Exodus generation, before they followed Joshua, the new leader, into the promised land. And Greek, Deutero, means second law. So this is the repeat from Exodus. It's the same law that was given to the Exodus generation, and now it's being presented to their children. And as Pastor mentioned during communion, this generation had been wandering as nomads in the wilderness. They had not experienced Egypt, they'd only heard about it. Their life experience was so different from their parents. And that to me is one of the craziest things about life, is that every generation has such a totally different experience than their parents. We all have to learn how to obey God's word in our generation. Like think about how different your life is from the lives of your parents. My kids' lives are so different from my life. We all have to learn it for ourselves. Now the purpose of the Old Testament law was to guide the people of Israel to become a wise and understanding nation set apart by their love and worship of the one true God. I really want you to get this. That's the purpose of the Old Testament law, to set them apart, to teach them how to live in righteousness, to love and honor God, to be set apart because they were the chosen people whom God was gonna use to send the Messiah, the savior of the whole world. Now this was very hard for me to understand as I was younger. I didn't understand this at all. I was reading the Old Testament and I would get so confused. And of course, I was reading the King, King James Version, so that didn't really help. But I would, I would get very confused. Because you know, when you first start reading the Bible, it's kind of like it's right here. And you, you're really only seeing the words for what they are. And it can get so confusing like that a good God would allow all that crazy stuff that happened in the Old Testament killing off of nations, all the wives, all, all that stuff. And, and it was so confusing to me. But as you, as you grow spiritually, it's almost like you get taller and your view of God's word gets broader and wider and you begin to see the big picture and God's overall purpose despite the actions of the humans in the Bible. And spiritual maturity is developed through learning to handle God's word accurately. You know, and as I mentioned, I would be really frustrated with all the wives in the Old Testament and how they were treated. And Pastor Rodney would explain to me over and over again that God was not affirming their actions. The Bible is simply telling the facts of what happened. 
And you have probably heard him preach that before. And that's because he develops his best content when he's working through my problems. All my issues, all my questions. I help him out a lot. So if you're listening to a message and you're like, ooh, who had that problem? Probably was me, okay? But understanding the Bible requires insight, study, and learning to see the big picture, to understand what God's will was, what it is, the whys, despite the human activity in the Bible. So let's, we're gonna look at Deuteronomy chapter four, but before that, in Deuteronomy chapter six, Deuronomy, it's just, Deuteronomy, okay? So chapter six, verses two and three, Moses is explaining the why. He's giving the why of the law so that the Israelites will enjoy long life and all will go well with them no matter the giants living in the land or the battles that they're gonna face ahead in the promised land. And I want you to understand that that is the why of our messages here at North Church as well. We are doing our best with the supernatural help of the Holy Spirit and God's word to help us become a wise and understanding people, to walk in righteousness and right relationships with other humans, and to love God, to be set apart, to honor Him. And we all have to learn and practice how to have that relationship, that loving, honorable relationship with God, and to have right, equitable relationships with others. Now remember back in May when Pastor Sampson was preaching during the Signpost series? He told us that we're ruined by sin. Do you remember that? He told you you were dumb, rebellious, and sick. You ought to remember that. Um, Well, that is reality, okay? It is our sin nature. And it explains how and why people do the things they do. And we have to have a grasp on the truth of our spiritual condition to be mentally healthy and to grow spiritually. You know, once we receive Jesus, our salvation by his grace is secure, but we still have free will. We can be saved and live stupid. It's so easy. Our minds have to be renewed and we have to continually learn how to walk and grow in wisdom. So now we're gonna look at Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four through nine for our text today. And this is Moses speaking to the children of the Exodus generation and he's saying, listen, listen. Your parents didn't do it, I need you to. Listen, no. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly. Commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Repeat them over and over. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. We need reminders. We're not just dumb, rebellious, and sick. We're also forgetful. So write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. 
These are Moses' parting words, and he was trying to make it as clear as possible. He was saying, love. Love the Lord your God with your all. Repeat his commands over and over again. Know them, obey them, teach them. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Thank you, Lord, that it is your desire for us to be a wise and understanding people that walk with you in love and walk with the people around us in love. God, thank you. God, give us ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord. Help us to understand your will for us today in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Now at North Church, does anybody know our vision statement? Can you help me out? What's our vision statement? Love God. You're awake out there, okay. Love God, love people, follow Jesus. It's short, it's sweet, it's simple, and I love it. And our mission is defined by the commands of Jesus found in Matthew chapter 22 and Matthew 28, which are often referred to as the two greatest commandments and the Great Commission. So in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus was asked, which is the most important, important commandment in the law of Moses? So he was asked this by a Jewish man, one of the descendants of this Exodus generation that knows the law, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, a Jewish man who understood the law, and it's a lot, and he's saying, so out of that, what is the most important? And this is what Jesus replies. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Does that sound familiar? Yes, Deuteronomy. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So that is where we get it. Love God, love people. And then before Jesus left to return to his father, to send us the Holy Spirit, he gave his disciples his final command in Matthew 28. And so as they're watching, he says to them, go and make disciples of all the nations. All the nations is so key. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Now, can you see the parallel between Jesus and Moses in their final commands to their followers? Both Moses, the leader of the Jewish nation, and Jesus are telling them what's most important before they depart. Now we know that Moses was tight with God. In Exodus 33, 11, we see that he met God inside the tent of the meeting and that the Lord would speak to Moses face to what face as one speaks to his friend. They were tight. And then in the New Testament, the Son of God, Jesus, greater than Moses, the Lamb of God, he comes and he says the same thing. Love God with your all and teach his commands. So from them, we can see that love for God is shown by learning, obeying, and teaching his commands, both for the Israelites in the Old Testament, for the followers of Jesus in the New Testament, and the followers of Jesus today. Now let's go back real quick to loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
Notice in Matthew, Jesus is quoted as saying, love with all your heart, soul, and mind. In Deuteronomy, Moses said, heart, soul, and strength. In Mark, Jesus is quoted as saying, love with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I just want you to think about the relationship between mind and strength, because I feel like they're closely related. It took me a long time to grasp that I needed to love the Lord my God with all my mind. I, um, I thought when I was younger, you know, I, I received Jesus, I believed the gospel, I said the sinner's prayer, I was baptized, and I even spoke in tongues. And you know, it's all good. I was saved, but my human nature was still ruined by sin. And I have to learn to walk in the truth and obedience to God's word. I'm still learning it. In every season of life, there is something new to learn. And I have found that as my learning increases, my love increases. I found that as my, my strength increases, as my understanding increases. Love and strength, your mind, loving with all your mind. And it's so important because Satan loves to twist and distort the truths of God's word. He did it with Eve in the garden. He loves to just take something God said and just shift it, just to put a spin on it. And we sometimes we make it easy for the devil because we choose to walk in ignorance or because we be, just become dull because we think we already know it all. And it's so important that we grasp learning. You know, just one, one example, the subject of forgiveness. You know, many think that the Christian thing to do is to forgive and forget. And that is part of it, forgiving and forgetting, but that's not the whole process because Christians are called to walk in truth. We're called to speak the truth in love. And that is hard. So many times it's just easier to live in denial. But we're called to speak the truth in love. We're called to take responsibility for our actions. That's hard. We're called to make whatever changes are necessary to honor God, to honor ourselves, and to honor the people that we're called to forgive. That is not easy. It requires learning because just living in denial will make you sick, mentally and physically. You've gotta obey God. He's called us to walk in righteousness. And you know, I just wish it wasn't always that hard because I like things simple. I just like it easy. But life gets complex. And I've had to learn that loving God with all my mind is the real key to spiritual growth. Loving God with all my mind is critical to working out my salvation with fear and trembling, as Paul tells us in Philippians chapter two, verse 12. Look, let's look at that verse. He says, dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. We are saved by grace, there's no doubt. But we work out our salvation by learning, by renewing our mind, by changing the way we think, by loving God with all our mind, by learning the truth of who God is, who we are and his will for us in our generation. Working out our salvation includes studying the Bible, learning his commands and obeying them, especially when it's hard. Now, I grew up in church with this little song that said, if you read your Bible and pray every day, you will grow, grow, grow. Anybody remember that? If you read your Bible and you pray every day, 
you most likely will grow, 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 and you should grow, grow, grow. But you can read your Bible in isolation and you can just reconfirm your own wrong and limited understanding into the text over and over again. We have to learn. We have to remember the reality of our spiritual condition. We're ruined, dumb, rebellious, and sick. We can manipulate God's word to make it say what we want it to say when we isolate ourselves. We have to listen and learn from others within the body of Christ. God has given us his spirit, his word, and his body, our fellow believers. We need all three of those to prosper and grow spiritually. We need his word, we need his spirit to bring it alive, and we need people, the people of God. A Pastor Hetty said something great this last week in Staff Chapel on Tuesday morning. I mean, he said several great things because he has an incredible story. I mean, Pastor and I are both just so jealous we're not as tough as Pastor Hetty, right? But he said something so great. He, he said when he meets with people and he's talking about what they are reading in the Bible, he says, how is it changing you? I thought that is such a great question. I meet with people and I talk to them about what they're reading the Bible, but a lot of times I'll say, you know, what'd you learn or how did that encourage you? But I'm gonna start being like Pastor Hetty and I'm gonna say, how is it changing you? That is why we read it. It changes us. It changes us. So let's look at the steps that Moses gave the Israelites in Deuteronomy for wholehearted commitment. Number one, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Alone is the key word. Is there a topic, a person, a problem that's consuming your thoughts? Is there something keeping you from walking in peace with God? If you cannot be happy until this happens or because of, or something else happens, whatever that is, and is an idol sitting on the throne of your heart. And you know, idols always disappoint us and they rob us of our peace. Wholehearted commitment requires removing the idols from our lives that so easily invade our affections and distract us from worshiping the one true God. And regular idol removal is part of the wholehearted committed Christian life. Because we grasp the reality of our spiritual poverty, we understand that our hearts are idol factories that we're always finding something new that we think is gonna make us happy. We're always finding something new that we think is gonna make us purposeful and meaningful apart from Jesus. We constantly have to clear out our heart and remind ourselves that we worship God alone. Even the good things of life, we put them in their appropriate place and God alone sits on the throne of our hearts. Number two, we love God with all, 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 all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do you want love, affection, and attention? Yes, you do. We're humans. We're created for intimacy, and we're created in the image of our loving Father, and he also wants attention, affection, and love. That is what he wants from you. So many times we get it confused. We think he wants some certain way we behave. Well, yeah, that's part of it because he wants our love. He wants our hearts. That's why he gave us free will. That's why he gave us choice. We get to choose whether we're gonna love him or not. 
You know, loving people involves spending time together, communicating openly and honestly, getting to know each other, celebrating the good times together and helping each other out in the bad times. And that is also the same way you love God. You spend time with Him. You communicate openly and honestly with Him. You listen to Him through His Word, through His Holy Spirit. You thank Him for the blessings in your life and you trust him, you rely upon him, and you cry out to him during the difficult times. You keep walking with him. You know, deep, impactful relationships require time, a lot of time, because trust is built over time. That is why you cannot have deep relationships with everyone, only a few. We look at the model of Jesus. He had his 12 disciples, and even out of that 12, he had his three, his Peter, James, and John, that walked most intimately with him. They were the ones invited into the garden during his most pressing, sorrowful time. Before he went to the cross, they were there with him. And we all need a Peter, James, and John. And if you're not building these deep discipleship relationships, I would be so bold as to say to you that you're either ignorant and disobedient or you don't love yourself. Because life is going to throw a curve sooner or later. You know what? We're the pastors here. We get to hear about everybody's curves. They come, they happen. And if you've not created deep relationships in the good times, Who's gonna be there to walk with you through those difficult times? You're gonna need a Peter, James, and John, just like your Savior, Jesus, did. Small groups of people who regularly spend time together, communicating openly and honestly, and praying together, learning together, they're truly loving their neighbor as they love themselves. They're loving their neighbor and they're loving themselves at the same time. Individuals who regularly spend time with God, communicating openly and honestly with Him, who learn His commands and obey them are loving God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. So we can simplify that to loving God is knowing Him and obeying Him, walking with Him every day. Number three, wholeheartedly commit to His commands. Repeat them, repeat them again and again to yourself and to others. You know, Moses was instructing the Israelites to disciple their children. He was saying, this is what they have to learn to be able to succeed in the promised land. And God is telling, Jesus told us to make disciples of all nations. That is is required for discipleship, talking about the commands day and night in our coming and going, learning to be a wise and understanding follower of Jesus that flourishes in healthy, equitable relationships. Simply put, loving relationships plus learning and teaching the commands of Jesus equals discipleship. That's the third part of our mission statement, following Jesus through discipleship. Now, as I wrap up, I want to look at one last passage of scripture in Mark chapter four, verses 24 and 25. Then he added, Jesus speaking, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given, and you will receive even more. There's no limit. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. This is a warning. 
a very clear warning. And I wanna ask you, who are you listening to? What are you listening to? And be honest. Pastor said it last week, if we're not honest about where we are, we cannot grow and move forward. If you don't open your Bible, please don't tell yourself the Bible. I want you to think about <laughs> let's just go, let's go. Okay, all personal belief systems, all religions are based upon four common sources of authority. All the religions of the world, all churches, all individuals. We base our belief system on four common sources of authority. And those are tradition, human authority, reason, and scripture. Okay, so let's look at these four common sources because they, we get to choose which one we're gonna give ultimate authority to in our life. So what is tradition? Tradition is the rituals, the repeated behaviors, the beliefs and customs that have been handed down, a long established or inherited way of thinking or acting. Human authority, it's a person. It could be a priest, a parent, a pastor, an author, a political leader some authority figure or even a group of people or friends that dictate thinking and behavior. Number three, reason. It's our mental powers that we use to form conclusions, to make judgments or inferences. And four is scripture, the Bible. This ancient book composed of 66 books written by about 40 different writers who lived at different places and in different circumstances over a period of 1,600 years. That's just wild. So the question is, which of these sources is your ultimate authority? And if you just like quickly say the Bible, like stop for a second and think again about like how, how wild that is. That takes... Hey, people think you're weird for a reason. Now, really, what is your authority? Are you just going through the motions of, of the religion that your parents handed down to you? Is there someone in your life that's giving you all your information? Do you have a human authority that's dictating how you think and how you behave? Have you placed ultimate authority for how you think in, a, in the hands of somebody else? Or are you figuring things out on your own do you only believe what you've experienced or the understanding you've gained up until this point in your life? Are you basing your decisions on the word of God? You know, we're all a combination of those four things, but what is ultimate? What is ultimate do you come back to? I've chosen to believe in this ancient book. I believe it is the infallible word of God written by the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of life. It was written over 2,000 years ago and yet it's relevant in every nation, in every people group, in every language, in every generation. The prophecies of the Old Testament that are fulfilled in the New Testament are impossible apart from divine design. Makes me excited. This helps me understand. It explains the meaning of life, my purpose, good, evil, love, death. How do I understand those things apart from this word? 
I've accepted scripture as authority for my life. But you know what? I don't understand it all. I do not understand it all. And I think only God does. So is scripture the authority of your life? If you say yes, I just want you to think, what is the proof of that? Are you learning it? Are you discussing it with anyone? What step can you take to create a framework for discussing scripture, repeating the commands again and again so you can learn or teach God's commands? We can't do it with everyone, but we're commanded to do it with someone. We're commanded to do it with someone. Whether the children in your home or the whoever God's brought into your life for this season, to learn from them or to teach them. Now God has wholeheartedly loved you wholeheartedly. He loved you in your sins, stupidity, rebellion, sickness. He gave his one and only son knowing that we would doubt, question, and disobey him. He loves so completely and with such great understanding, he knew what we would have to experience before we would choose to love him back. He's loved us so completely. He was willing to sin his son, himself in human form, to suffer a cruel, cruel death to redeem our lives. When you understand this, the only appropriate response is wholehearted commitment to love and obey the Lord alone, the Lord alone. Now, if you've got notes today, a bulletin or on your phone, there are questions that I would like for you to consider during our time of prayer and throughout your day. I pray that you don't just look in the mirror and walk away forgetting what you look like as it says in James chapter one. Would you stand with me? And our prayer team is gonna come forward. They wanna serve you in prayer. And I wanna remind you, don't neglect this incredible privilege of the body of Christ to agree together in prayer. Paul told us in Philippians, he said, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. This is incredible privilege we have to agree together to receive the comfort of his love and come together in his name in prayer. Father God, we love you. Thank you so much, God, for your word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. You made the way for us, God, by the blood of your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray for a wholehearted commitment today in my heart, God, in these hearts, Lord, that we will live to honor you, God, to love you, to love people, to follow Jesus by teaching his commands. Father, I thank you that you've given your word, not only so all will go well with us in this life, but so that we can spend eternity with you, Lord. God, I pray if there's anyone here today, Lord, that hasn't chosen to commit to you, that hasn't committed their heart to you to spend their life on earth and eternity with you, not apart from you, but with you, God. I pray, draw their hearts this morning, God. May they feel your presence, God. May they hear your voice. God, I thank you for your mercy and your grace upon my life. You've been so good to me, Lord. I love you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.